Let's continue our series called Carry On. It's all about the different metaphors that we see in 2 Timothy, how uh, Paul is the author uh, and the writer of uh, these pastoral epistles. Um, most of the books that we see in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul, and they were written to the church. They were written to the church in Ephesus, or they were written to the church in the, uh, not the Philippines, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> somewhere in Asia. Um, <laughs> Philippi, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Sorry, we're off to a good start. All right, um, and those books are called Philippians and Ephesians. He wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and that one's called Romans, all right? But in the, in, there are three letters that he wrote, not to the church, but to the minister. Uh, he wrote a letter to Timothy and to Titus. All right, that's 1 Timothy, and it's also, we call it the book of Titus. It's really a short letter. And then he wrote another letter to Timothy, a minister, his spiritual son. And um, that's called 2 Timothy. It's real creative on the names. And um, <laughs> uh, so we've been coming out of 2 Timothy for this whole series. And that's what we're going to continue to do today. So far, we've talked about the farmer, like I mentioned. Uh, we talked about a soldier. Uh, my dad, who loves sports, had a just home run message talking about athletes, all right, because he loves sports. And um, today, we're going to continue that series with another metaphor that uh, Paul is giving to Timothy. It comes from the second chapter. Uh, verse 14, let's read a couple verses here. Remind them of these things, charging them before God not to fight about words. This is in no way profitable and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God a worker. Somebody say worker. Who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that is already anointed, Lord. But I ask now that you'd use my words, that you would speak through me, but even directly to each person that is here to hear the word online, God, and even here in person. Lord, and I ask that you would um, just help us to be workers for your kingdom. Help us to be ministers of the gospel and show us what that means to us. Correct. Uh, uh, help us to speak the truth, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to talk about the worker or the minister. Um, this person who is instructed by God to be a teacher uh, of the gospel. Thinking about workers and employees, I was thinking about a story I heard last week. The, uh, the boss of a, a large company, a pretty successful organization, uh, comes to work and some of the employees are outside. Um, and the boss showed up in a brand new Lamborghini as in, like, shiny, clean, brand is beautiful, all right? And, and um, uh, one of the employees noticed and said, hey, that's a pretty nice car you got there. Must have set, set you back a few, you know? Um, must have cost a lot of money. Kind of, you know, kind of personal question, but the boss said, yeah, it, it did, actually. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you work hard, if you put in all your hours, work overtime, you know, maybe don't even uh, take all your vacation, then maybe, just maybe, next year, I can get an even newer one. 
So <laughs> I know that's a dumb joke, but I couldn't resist. I just thought it was fun to start with that. It has nothing to do with the message, but it's, we are talking about workers, and we are talking about, um, we're talking about the worker here that as Paul instructs Timothy to correct against the false teaching. And just to set the stage, what I want you to know before you leave here today is that there are some false teachings that may have infiltrated your own beliefs or the beliefs of those around you. And I want you to be able to begin to understand and learn the truth so that you can correct that maybe in somebody else's life, especially if they're close to you and you have a good relationship with them, uh, but certainly in your own life. So you can start believing the truth of what God says about you uh, and who you are, okay? And so with this false teaching in mind, I was thinking about a gift that uh, my brother Andrew received. Uh, you might know him as Drew. He plays the guitar up here. And um, uh, he ordered a shirt from a Christian company, and it took a really long time for it to actually arrive. So the company gave him a gift that said, hey, I'm so sorry that it took so long for your t-shirt to get here, you know, please accept this uh, gift, which it was a bag, uh, as our way of saying, I'm sorry, and, you know, please, you know, buy stuff from us again. And the bag was really cool. It had a really powerful verse on it. It said, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Because <laughs> isn't that true? You could really do anything you want, like, and you, there's probably a scripture that can support that. Uh, a Bible verse that, you know, you want to, I don't even want to give you examples. because, <laughs> But there are things that you could do, <laughs> front rows saying, no, <laughs> abort. Um, there are things that you could do, and you could probably find a scripture to it. But Paul is telling Timothy, and the Holy Spirit, God, is telling us, hey, let's speak against this false teaching. And part of what we can do with that is context. Let me give you an example of context and what I'm talking about. You might be familiar with Psalm 37, 4, which says, and he, will give you, uh, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many of you heard that scripture before? You know, and you're thinking, all right, God, thank you so much for that promise that you're going to give me the desires of my heart. But what happens when you don't actually have those things that you desire? For instance, my heart desires a, a four-door Jeep Wrangler, Rubicon. You know, that's kind of lifted a few inches and has the bigger tires, not just the standard ones. No offense if you have standard tires, but, like, that's not what my heart desires. I want bigger tires. And, like, extra lights on the front, kind of around the windshield, for no reason at all. I don't know why, but it just does a little something extra for me, just to have a few extra lights on the top of the Jeep. Like, that's what my heart desires. But... I don't have that. So is God a liar because he has not given me the desires of my heart? Let me give you one more. I was at the gym this week, and I know that surprises you. Um, <laughs> I was doing really good there for a while, and then daylight savings time came, and it threw me off, and I wasn't able, and that was months ago, but hey, I'm back. And I have, my heart desires a six-pack. You know, I just, that's a, that's a desire of mine, and I, I, I went to the gym. And I still don't have a six-pack. So was God a liar? No, 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 no. Okay. God will give you the desires of your heart. That is what the Bible says. But let's read the whole verse in context. 
All right, because I didn't read you the whole verse. I just cut off the first part. <laughs> Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So it's kind of an if-then. So if you delight yourself in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. So if your heart longs for, um, let's say, to live a holy life, well, God's going to help you do that. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going, you, your heartbeat is going to line up with his heartbeat. And then you will care for and your, your behavior and that lifestyle will reflect that. God may or may not give you these material things or physical things that you're hoping for. Um, but the important things are going to be taken care of. So that's an example of kind of taking a verse out of context. Uh, let's talk about four lessons to becoming an approved worker and how we can avoid this false teaching and what we can do differently. Uh, the first lesson is learn the truth. All right, so learn the truth. Uh, verse 15 said, be diligent to present yourself approved by God. So this was got to be diligent, got to try hard at this. And you can be approved by God to say, yes, you are speaking the truth. Now, we live in a day and age, and this is not necessarily new, unique to this century or anything, but I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's prevalent for sure. Uh, we live in a day of relativism. Uh, that is to say, relativists would say that what's true for you might not be true for me, or what's moral for you might be immoral for me. Uh, now, if you don't have God as the center of your life and you don't believe in a creator that actually sort of set this world on a foundation uh, that truth and morals and everything else is built upon, I could totally see how uh, you might think that. How you might think, oh, well, truth is relative. If we're just all here by accident and we just sort of create our own social construct of morality and things like that, I get that. But... Here's an example of how relativism sort of plays out. So a cultural relativist would actually be upset with missionaries. Uh, in the 1960s, uh, missionaries uh, uh, Don and Carol Richardson went to an island, um, the Netherlands, New Guinea, which is now part of Indonesia. It's right next to Papua New Guinea, kind of by Australia out there in the Pacific. And they actually shared the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ with people who had never heard the name of Jesus. They, had, they did not know about the creator, God, who had a son, Jesus, and salvation. They didn't know any of that. And they built relationships, and they loved these people. But when the gospel infiltrates our hearts, sometimes it changes our culture. And people... Um, cultural relativists actually got upset with these missionary couples because they were changing their culture. Here's, here's one of the things that changed. The tribe used to be, they used to be filled with cannibals. But then after they surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, they learned that they shouldn't be doing that anymore. And so their culture started to change. <laughs> All right? They were also immolating the widows on the husband's funeral pyre. And if you don't know what that is, for the sake of any children in this room, you can Google it. But there were wicked, I would call them wicked, evil, immoral 
cultural practices that when someone uh, surrenders their life to Jesus Christ, certain cultural things have to go out with that. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now, I think we would all agree, I mean, I know uh, we would all agree that cannibalism is immoral, <laughs> all right? So if you're taking notes today, if you didn't already know, point number one, <laughs> all right? Cannibalism is wrong. Um, but that is an extreme example of relativism. Some people would say, let them do their own cultural thing and let us do our own cultural thing. But when relativism has become so, uh, so hugely popular in, in our country today, that you can just go to TJ Maxx and you will see all the little decorations. Not, not all the decorations. We have plenty of decorations from TJ Maxx. But several of them, they're like, have these little sayings on them that are, are relative truth. And they say something like, be your own truth. Or just whatever, like, like you're the most important thing in the world. Like, well, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, you're important. But there are, there are different sayings and different things. And again, TJ Maxx is not a Christian uh, company, okay? It's not Hobby Lobby, all right? So you, you're, not, you're just going to get whatever you want in, in TJ Maxx. I'm not saying don't go there. I'm just saying we need to know the truth so that we can continue to uh, do what God is asking us to do. And um, my point in saying that, Sorry, Emily, you're throwing me off with the camera. I appreciate it. I'm going to get some good poses here. But um, <laughs> it's hard to think when you got a camera the whole time. Um, oh, yeah, there is a truth. Thank you. All right, <laughs> there is a truth. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. My point in saying all of that was that we actually have a real truth. All right, truth is not relative. God is the truth. The, uh, Jesus even said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So you might think uh, when somebody is gossiping, okay, that's entertaining, that's interesting, let them gossip. So uh, they're, they're slandering somebody else, but if they want to do that, just let them do that. Uh, but in 2 Timothy, we read right here, it says, um, to avoid irreverent, Empty speech, for this will produce an even greater measure of godlessness. So the Bible is clearly saying, let's not gossip. Let's not slander. So to have someone that you know and you love, just to, just to listen to that for one, to say it for another, or to allow them to continue saying that kind of thing, it just seems like uh, Paul is instructing Timothy, hey, let's, let's try to put an end to that. At least speak the truth so that they understand what's happening here. And that's what we can do. So that's, that's point number one. Learn the truth. There is a truth. The truth is the word of God. Jesus said, I am the truth. So you can take it out of context and say, I am the truth. Okay, but that's not it. Jesus is the truth. We are not the truth. All right. Now, point number two is reject the lies. So once you've learned the truth, now you can reject the lies. Verse 16, avoid a river, empty speech, for this will produce an even greater measure of godlessness. All right. This is difficult. All right. Because verse 15, it says, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Why would you need to be ashamed of telling the truth? If you're struggling with identity and you're feeling kind of low with self-worth, and then I come to you and I say, you're a child of God. That's not hard for me to say. 
So I, I legit, like, questioned, what does it mean to be ashamed? Like, why would I be ashamed? And then I, I, I thought of an example. All right. Uh, years ago, I was watching uh, a, a televangelist. He is a television evangelist. All right. And he was preaching, and he gave me the best ever um, example of a verse taken out of context. All right? And I want to give it to you today. I mean, he was, he was not explaining this was out of context. He was actually preaching this message. Uh, and, and this is what he said. He, he said, Luke 19.30, this is Jesus talking. He said, go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt, that's a, a young donkey, uh, tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So this preacher actually said, Jesus wanted a donkey that nobody has ever ridden. Maybe God wants you to have a new car that nobody has ever driven. And that was his message. He was actually preaching because Jesus wanted a brand new donkey. You should have a brand new car. And that's a great way to become a really popular and really successful preacher. Uh, just tell everybody that God wants you to have a new car. Who cares about the missionaries serving in Papua New Guinea? You deserve a new car. God wanted a new donkey. You can have a new car. Now, let me give you the context for what this message is actually saying. Uh, Jesus was saying this to fulfill a prophecy spoken hundreds of years earlier by the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah 9.9 says this, Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the reason Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a donkey was to show that he was humble. It was a sign of humility. He could have flown in on the backs of angels' wings or something. He could have ridden in on a beautiful white horse. But he was humble, and so he rode in on a donkey. So it, a preacher could be ashamed to encourage the church to be humble. It might be difficult to say that, but it's important because it's true. Now, if you want to go out and buy a new car, I do believe God wants you to be blessed. He doesn't want you to have to pray before you turn your ignition on and just, you know, wonder if it's going to start. So if God's asking you to buy a new car, then please be obedient and go buy yourself a brand new car. But don't use this verse to support your decision to buy a new car. Find a different verse, all right? This is not the one. This one is about being humble, all right? So we are to reject the lies. That's kind of a funny example of rejecting the lies that we might believe. But this is not just about rejecting false teaching that uh, somebody else might be telling you or somebody else might be declaring. This is about rejecting every lie that has ever been spoken over you. This is about uh, rejecting the lies that the, that the enemy wants to whisper into your ear that says you are not good enough. That uh, I know there are people uh, here that probably think, you know what, I'm not pretty enough or I'm not attractive enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not smart enough. And you begin to think... Uh, 
maybe even things about God. You think, you know what, God, you have forgotten about me. I'm going to be lonely forever. I'm never going to find somebody to marry. I'm, I'm never going to be able to get free from this sin that, that has become habitual that I continue to go for. And, and you begin to believe these lies. Well, I'm encouraging you today to correct those lies. And that's point number three, is to change the narrative. And those things that you have been believing for so long, uh, that's false teaching. And it might not be like a preacher getting up here and, and telling you, hey, you're not good enough. But it's the whisper in the back of your head that when you're feeling low and when you're feeling kind of weak, you think, you know what, I'm just not good enough. I'm a mistake. I shouldn't be here. I want you to correct the lies. And I want you to know that you really are a child of God, that you are joint heirs with Christ Jesus, that you were bought with a price, that your life is valuable. You are created in the image of God and no weapon formed against you will prosper. If God is for you, then who can be against you? If you need a place to start, open your Bible to Psalm 23 and begin to see who God is and what he can do, uh, not just for you, but with you. The Bible says that he is your shepherd. So when you feel like you are astray, that you, when you are like, he has gone after to find you, he loves you so much. He is your deliverer. He is your strong tower. He is your fortress. He is your victory. The, Psalm 23 even says that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you and he is not going to leave you. He is by your side. Amen? Amen. And so we need to correct the lies. Verse 14 says, this is not to fight about words. All right, so it's not to say every person that you disagree with, if somebody else interprets the Bible differently, that you should go around poking people and, and making them upset about trivial things that don't really matter that much. Kind of, you know, getting on Facebook and being, you know, everybody has an opinion and trying to do that whole thing. You know, it, it's more about um, the things that really matter. I think, especially pertaining to the gospel, which is the good news and salvation and eternity. Uh, that's really what we're talking about here. Uh, let me give you an example for this one as well. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word was God. Uh, later in this chapter and all throughout the Bible, we can see that the Word, with this capital W here, is referring to Jesus. Now, if you were to look at the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible, it's called the New World Translation, uh, which I, I looked at this week and I read it, and, I, and it says this. It, they, it's slightly different. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, they added the word A, and they lowercase the G, God. So they said, and the Word was a God. So just, just to be clear, uh, I was reading out of the uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible. That's what I have here. And that's usually, usually what I use to study. But it says the word was God. It also says the word was God in the King James Version and the New International Version and the English Standard Version and the Amplified and the New American Standard Bible, even the Message Bible. Basically, every translation except for this one says the word was God. Why did, they add, why did the Jehovah's Witnesses, and if you're a Jehovah's Witness, please, uh, or if you identify, or if you have family that is, please just take a deep breath, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. Uh, hold on. Oh, try to have an open mind, um, and we can talk afterwards. This is, not, this is not, trying to, not trying to make you feel bad. Okay, but, but here's the deal. 
the reason they added the word a was not because it was in the original uh, text. The Bible wasn't written in English. Uh, those words were probably written in Greek, okay? And the word a, the word a God, the word was a God, that's not in there. The original text says the word was God. And so Jehovah's Witnesses don't really believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And this verse kind of messed them up. So they changed it so that it would reflect what they believe. That's not good. <laughs> How many times do we do that? Now, you don't get a pen out and add words to your Bible because you understand that that would just be wrong. But we just look at what the Bible says and we just make it kind of fit what we believe. Now, regarding this theology of the word was God versus the word was a God, uh, let, me just, let me just tell you why it's important. It's not really my message, but since we're talking about false teaching, I want you to understand. Jehovah's Witnesses, if they don't believe that God was, uh, that Jesus was fully God and fully man, then I believe he could not have been the adequate sacrifice for our sins. You see, we all deserve to be punished for our sins, those immoral things, those wrong things that we do that God doesn't like, well, we deserve to be punished for that. If Jesus wasn't fully God, then he couldn't have been qualified to be punished for our sins. Furthermore, Jehovah's Witnesses don't even believe that Jesus Christ physically rose from the dead, only spiritually I don't know about you, but I believe that Jesus Christ really died on a cross, that he really went into a tomb, and that he really rose from the dead three days later. And I believe that he proved that he is more powerful than sin, death, hell, and the grave, and he is the resurrection and the life. And I don't take that metaphorically. I take that literally. And when Jesus offers us a free gift of salvation, he has the resurrection power standing behind him. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you and me. Well, if the Holy Spirit didn't raise Jesus Christ from the dead, then where does that leave us? So that's, that's why I get fired up about it. Sorry, <laughs> we're getting all fired up um, about something like that. But it's true. And some people want to say, you know what? There are many paths to heaven. But Jesus said that there is only one way to the Father, and that's through him. People say, you know what, I could just do good works. They might not say it out loud, but this is a belief many people have. I could just do good works. As long as my good works outweigh my bad works, then I'll probably make it to heaven. Well, that's false teaching. That's false doctrine. Doctrine is just teaching. It's the same thing. You know, the Bible says our righteousness is filthy rags. We can't do good things enough that would erase the bad things that we've done. If you've done one bad thing, then you're disqualified from being perfect, and you don't earn heaven. It's only because of Jesus Christ. He paid the price for us, and it's because, that's why I mentioned about his blood earlier. The blood that he spilled on the cross was that payment for our sin, and when you apply that blood of Jesus Christ to our lives and to our hearts, God says, welcome in. Welcome, welcome home. Come into heaven. You are my child. And that is the good news that we can have to share with everybody. Some people might think, I have sinned too much, and I can't go to heaven. If you knew my past, you'd understand that I am too far gone. But the blood of Jesus Christ is for all of us, and it covers all sin. 
So these are just different types of things. People might say, I want to live my own life. I want to do what I think is right. The point of this message is that this tells us what's right and what's wrong. And this should be the center of our life. The Holy Spirit, God, will illuminate this and show it to us. But we need to know the Bible so that we can do what God is asking us to do. So get in your word and read it on a daily basis. Uh, Then this brings us to the last point, which is speak the truth. Uh, Verse 15 said, correctly teaching the word of truth. How do you fortify yourself against these lies? How do you protect yourself so that when a false teacher or a false prophet or somebody on Instagram or a sign at TJ Maxx or whatever, that you read it and it sounds good and you're like, oh yeah, that's great. I want to do that. How do you protect yourself against this? Well, I was thinking about this and I was reminded of a story uh, that there's a, a famous uh, pastor and missionary. He, he was a missionary before he was a pastor. He's, he's from the United States. But he went to Africa, and because it takes a lot of money to be a missionary, uh, he didn't want to have to raise all of his support. So he and his wife and the other missionary couples that were there actually raised chickens in Africa. Uh, Like, I don't know how many, but over 10,000 chickens. And they were selling the meat and eggs and whatnot, and they were... Uh, This was a part of their fundraising campaign so they could continue to spread the word of God throughout the the nations that they were involved in. They did not grow up as chicken farmers. There was a lot they didn't know, uh, including one thing was uh, there was a treatment that they could have given to these chickens. You see, one night, in one night, uh, this pastor and and his uh, co-workers went the next morning, they went into the, the huge chicken coop, and they found that all of their chickens had died, just in one night. And so this was obviously a huge hit to them. As they did research and as they started to rebuild their chicken farm, they realized there was a treatment that they could have given to these chickens that would have uh, saved their lives and protected them from this flu that comes through. It's like, like a chicken flu. kind of comes on through, kills you. If you're chicken. <laughs> and um, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why that's funny. Um, <sighs> there is a treatment that, that we can apply to our hearts and to our minds that will protect us as well. Ephesians 4.14 says, We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. When a a false teacher comes up, when, uh, and they don't obviously label themselves as false teacher, or you'd never listen to them. They come in, they're kind of crafty. They're kind of tricky. And they say what you want to hear. Talking about, all right, I'm going to, later on in in this uh, uh, letter, Paul talks about tickling their ears, which means I'm going to tell them what they want to hear. Hey, you can have this, you can have that. Uh, Well, it, it is possible for a whole church to hear teaching that is false doctrine. And for that whole church to just completely fall away from the truth. If they do not have that treatment, this is the treatment. When you are grounded in the word of God, then you protect yourself 
from the false teacher. And if each one of us is reading the word of God and we're all proclaiming the truth, we're all correcting the lies, we're all rejecting the lies, then when one person says, hey, you know what? I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's true or I don't think that's moral or I think that's immoral, then guess what? We are protected as a community and we continue to preach the truth. Amen? Isn't that good? So in closing... Uh, I want to look. We've been spending our time here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. But let's look at what it says, uh, Paul's final remarks to Timothy in the fourth chapter. Just going to read verses 1 through 5. It says this. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead. And because of his appearing to his kingdom, proclaim the message... Another version says, preach the word. Persist in it, whether convenient or not. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, be serious about everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So as we talk about this worker, this minister, I want to encourage you today that yes, if you see something going on in someone's life, especially if they're close to you, especially if it's some kind of false teaching, like if I'm saying something that's kind of off today, I know Charity's going to talk to me afterwards and she's going to say, actually, did you mean to say that? Because, or if I see something in her life, we have a close enough relationship that I can say, hey, Charity, what, what about this? Is this, are you, is that, is that, does that area line up? Uh, to the word of God? Is that, is that sin? Or are you believing something that's false? And we can have that kind of dialogue. Certainly with my kids. I'm constantly teaching them and correcting false teaching. And I'm constantly telling them what is true and what is moral because they don't know otherwise. And that's good. And you might have a friend that believes something differently. Maybe they're a part of a different religion or whatever. And you need to at the right time, with the power of the Holy Spirit, correct false teaching. But let's set that aside for just one second, because that is part of it, and I think that is Paul's primary purpose in writing the words that I read today. But I think each of us have believed a lie at one point or another. And if, if you could stand with me today, and as you stand, um, if you're comfortable, just, just bow your head and close your eyes and ask God if he would show you the truth. Now, this truth, if it's true, it will line up to the word of God. So you're going to find more, most of this revelation as you open the scripture, not just opening your heart now. But what lies have you believed? Have you believed that you are not good enough? Have you believed that you are not special that God doesn't really care about you? Have you believed that God has forgotten you? Just ask God to, to show you if you may have believed a lie and begin to correct that with the word of God. And then 
also preach that to others around you. Uh, we're gonna sing a song and then I'm gonna come back and I wanna close this service in prayer and just um, ask God to begin to work in our hearts and to correct the lies so that we can believe his truth. Amen. Let's worship together.
today. Amen. God is for you. He is not against you. And so I want you to believe that truth along with every other truth that is in the Word of God. But it occurs to me today that as I have uh, stood up here and I preach about Jesus Christ and how He paid that sacrifice, He paid the price for you. There might be someone here today that has never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you um, aren't living for him and you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. Well, the Bible says that if you want to be saved, if you want to uh, have a home in heaven, it is important first that you ask him to forgive you of your sins. Believe that he died on the cross and rose again and make him the Lord and Savior of your life. So if you would please bow your heads and close to me today. There's nobody looking around. This is kind of a uh, special time between you and God. I just want to know if there's anyone here today that says, yes, I believe that God loves me. I know I've sinned. I, you don't have to convince me of that. But I've never asked Jesus to forgive me. I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I've only been doing my own thing. If that's you today, and today you said, you know what? When I die, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven or hell. I don't know if I'm going, uh, maybe, maybe you know that you're not going to heaven because of the life that you've lived. But today you can know for sure that when you die, to be absent from the body will to be present with the Lord. And you will have a home in heaven for eternity. If you only declare that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, make Him in charge of your life and ask Him to forgive you of your sins. If you want a fresh start today, if you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, surrendering your life to Him and asking Him to forgive you of your sins, then all I want you to do today is raise your hand up nice and high as a declaration to say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to ask Him to forgive me of my sins. And what I'd like to do now is for everyone here, if you raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand, Please repeat this prayer after me. Say it nice and loud like you mean it. Say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I've sinned. Please forgive me and make me a new person. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give each other a great big hand clap. Some of you made that decision maybe even for the first time. I encourage you to make that decision public with water baptism right here at Grace Church coming up on Labor Day weekend. And you can see me afterwards or go to the VIP booth. We have a Bible that we'd like to put into your hands because as you heard today, that's the truth. And we want you to know the truth. I want to close in prayer today. And as I do, I want to declare God's truth over your life. And if there's anything that you were holding on to that maybe God revealed to you during that song, feel free to lift your hands and just let it go. Let those lives go and believe that you are who God says that you are. Amen. Father, I thank you for this time that we have today, that we can learn your truth, that we can gather together in your name. We know that you are here in our midst. So we ask 
that you would speak your truth over each person here today, that they are children of God, that they are loved by God. God, that you have not forgotten them, but that you are with us. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, God, we will fear no evil because you are beside us. Lord, that we don't have to fear, that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to be anxious because you are our steady rock. You are our fortress. You are our deliverer. God, that you are our strong tower, that you are our banner. Lord, we declare who you are over us in our situation. For those that are struggling today financially, I declare that you, God, that they are not going to live in poverty, but that they will prosper because you are our provider and we have not seen the righteous forsaken. Lord, we reject every lie the enemy has spoken over us. We command the lies to go back to the pit of hell where they came from and we declare, God, that all of your promises are yes and amen and we believe your word is truth. We surrender our lives to you today, God, and we ask that you to empower us with your Holy Spirit to go and to do what you have called us to do and we pray all in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.